good looking? What you got cooking? How about cooking something up with me? It's Schmanners. I'm your husband host, Travis McElroy. And I'm your wife host, Teresa McElroy. And you're listening to... No, yes, and you're listening to Schmainers. It's Extraordinary Etiquette. Extraordinary occasions. Hello, my dove. Hello, dear. Some, the, you, you, what happened? Well, I doubted myself, <laughs> second-guessed myself. You know, sometimes I've always had the problem since I first learned to speak, that sometimes <laughs> my brain doesn't move as fast as my mouth. And I started, and I was like, wait, no. <laughs> I bailed in the middle. <laughs> it was a mistake. Hi, this Hello. is Schmieners. Ugh, it's summer. It's summer. And I listen. An astute observation. Yeah, listen, it's been summer for a while. I get that. <laughs> I get that. I'm going to ask a question now that I don't want answered for me, because I could Google it if I really wanted to know. But this is more, sometimes I like to pose questions to myself, and rather than find the actual answer figure out how i would answer it okay and the thing is is that i know in different parts of the world in different hemispheres and different sections of the world even though here where we are it is very warm right it is not true everywhere and so like i know like for example in australia christmas uh they they depict santa as surfing in because it's very nice and warm there right mm-hmm. so the question i've wondered is is this still summer, like, is there summer different months? Or is it all, it's summer around the world. No. But it's different weather. So for them, like, summer is cold. No, that's not how You don't works. know that. Cite your, cite your sources. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure. Oh, oh, pretty sure, huh? Because of the pinup girls I follow up, follow on Instagram, several of them are in Australia and New Zealand. And they say things like, it's a cold winter day. Huh. Winter corresponds with the season. How does it feel to take away a little bit of the magic in the world for me? Does that feel good? Is that satisfying? Okay, I'm getting a look. It's time to move on. <laughs> so, listen, I, I, don't, I also don't know if this is universal, but here, uh, summer for me is pretty synonymous with, like, cookouts. Definitely. Like, I, it's a thing I love doing. It's a thing that we did a lot. I mean, we had, you know, that uh, the gas grill uh, growing up right by, like, the stairs out of our back, you know, the back porch mm-hmm. there. It's stand by it. Oh, we're going to grill. Here's a plate, platter, that kind of thing. It's like, I, 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 and a lot of, like, events, you know, after the parade, we're doing a cookout. Like, I connect it. Do you, uh, when your family would cook the food outdoors, mm-hmm. did you often eat outdoors as well you know i think for a while we did because we uh, in our like teen years did a lot of renovations to our backyard and stuff and it, it was not no longer conducive to that but early on when we were little we had a really big grass backyard with like a picnic table and a swing mm. set and stuff so i think we did then 
But more than that, I would say, like, when my extended family would do cookouts, I think we definitely ate outside. You know, you had kids with, like, mustard and ketchup everywhere. And I I don't think my aunts and uncles wanted that inside. Yeah. I mean, as far as my memories of cookouts go, like, my parents grilled probably three to four nights a week in the summer. But it was always cook the food outside, eat inside. I think that maybe once or twice a summer did we eat outside. And I don't know exactly why that is. Hmm. Well, it's hot and gross. So maybe, maybe that's maybe. it. Maybe. I mean, this is the thing. Uh, my we friend- had a beautiful deck and a table and like backyard and i don't know why we didn't eat outside my friend bradbury and bob and i would have cookouts in the middle of winter um because like the grill was right outside uh, bradbury's front door and so like you'd stand there by the grill it was very warm and you know like Mm -hmm. it was covered so it was like an indoor it was an outdoor space that was like covered so we could be out there even if it was snowing and i think the irony of that was part of what (laughs) like drove us towards it but i love i love cooking out and you know we've done a picnic uh, or potluck, we did an, an you know a similar kind of outdoor party episode before, right? But I think that a cookout is very specific because I think with like a picnic or a potluck, the food is made ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think a cookout, there's so much more going on as far as like different layers because you kind of get there with the anticipation like, and now we wait. You know, like it's not about it's it's it centers around food, but it's not necessarily about the eating. So much as the experience of like all joining around and experiencing cooking the food at the same time, if that makes any sense. Sure, like- sure, it does. Well, so I, I, when cooking food outdoors. Oh, I should also say. Oh, we're going to be try to be very careful not to call it barbecue, which is colloquially things that people call the cookout but barbecue is one a very specific process or mm-hmm. two a very specific type of food. And right. I think it has become a thing that people say as far as like a cookout or a barbecue. But a barbecue is really like slow roasting or, you know, smoking meat, like that kind of thing. Yeah. It's a, a it, specific it, thing. It really is specific enough that we're going to use specific language yeah. to talk about them differently. Now, I'm not saying that your family calling it a barbecue and you're not actually doing the cooking process of barbecuing is wrong. No. Because there are lots of different, um, you know, regionalisms. Maybe that's just what people in your area call it. And that's fine. That's fine. But here, for conservation of languages' sake, we're going to say cookout. And also, eventually, maybe we'll do, like, a whole episode on barbecue. Oh, yeah. Um, But so we wanted to make sure that we are making it clear we're talking about Two different things. A cookout is like the party, mm-hmm. and a barbecue is a type of food or a process. Right. So, as one can imagine, cooking on an open flame out of doors, it's been around a long time. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> I would guess from the first time somebody bit into raw meat and thought, there has to be a there, better way. There has to be a better way. So, like, has this ever happened to you? <laughs> oh. As as uh, we have record of domestication of fire, we also have record of people cooking in I that love way. That phrase, domestication of fire, because it sounds like you domesticate a dog mm. and you tame the fire. I like that. Uh, so about five hundred thousand years ago is when that started to happen. But 
When I think about a cookout, I think about that 1950s post-war America uh-huh. in suburbia. Dad stands at the grill, you know, and mom is kind of carrying a plate of a platter of things, a platter of things and there are 2.5 children, you know, yeah. <laughs> you know what As I mean? As the sun rises <laughs> in the middle of the night, no, you know? Set. No, sorry, you're right. Sets. Um, I also, strangely, I'm also picturing... Maybe this is every illustration I've ever seen. The dad at the grill with that is outside in the summer, and the grill is very hot. In full long sleeve like dress shirt with tie. Oh yeah, and maybe a pipe. That's what I'm picturing. <laughs> so, and and there are two really main events that contributed to this picture. Um, so first of all, the invention of the Weber grill. Yeah. Right. Um, this was, so instead of, um, what you might do where you would build kind of a fire pit and cook on a grate over top of it, you had now this, this stand up grill, uh, spherical in nature when we're talking about the Weber grill, um, that you would light coals usually instead of, uh, wood. Uh-huh. And then place the grate over top of the coals and cook on there. And because it had a lid attached to it, you could not only cook the meat faster, but kind of contain the heat, right? Which um, also was very nice. Once you were able to kind of control that a little bit more where you could... Because here's the thing. If you don't contain the heat and control the the how much oxygen is getting to the coals or to whatever you're burning, it burns very hot, very fast. And so you can like cook one round of things, mm-hmm. but being able to contain the heat and control the burn means that you could cook like hypothetically grilled vegetables. And if you want a chicken and beef, you know, do multiple things right. in one go of charcoal instead of it just burning all out. Mm-hmm. And so one reason why post-war America, post-World War II is important is because this was when uh, America was really kind of reveling in this middle class lifestyle um, and people kind of had the means now and the time for travel. So they went places like the Pacific Islands, Mexico, Hawaii, Florida, the Caribbean, in there, those kites of, um, you know, more, I I definitely, when I think about those places, I think about the outdoorsiness of it, mm-hmm. kind of like the beach atmosphere. People spend more time outdoors. It's nicer, yeah. you know? Yeah, it's nicer. Um, and so people who traveled there wanted to bring a little bit of their fun vacation home. And, you know, I also think that there's probably, because, once again, not talking about barbecue, but we just got back from Hawaii not too long ago, and one of the main parts of our trip was a luau. Right. That was, like, a very communal dining experience. And I think that that was a thing that, net, like, I don't know, maybe this it did happen historically in America and the U.S., but, like, I can't think of a traditional U.S. communal dining experience, mm-hmm. like... Other that was, than the backyard cookout. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And I, I mean, like, I'm not counting, like, wedding receptions or church social. I'm talking, like, an outdoor party mm-hmm. that you're like, mm-hmm. I'm going to throw a blank without a specific reason for it. Right. That's what I'm looking for. So this 
this um, these trips to these other places. I say that. I'm going to jump back real quick and correct myself. I said U.S. Hawaii is in the U.S. So I'm sorry that I just made it sound. I meant, you know, traditional. You know what I mean, everybody. I just want to make it clear. I know Hawaii is in the U.S. <laughs> so they brought back these traditions, um, things like grilling meat on skewers, um, having rum and tequila drinks instead of like gin and scotch. Um, gin and scotch, not good hot outdoor yeah. drinks. Yeah, and all of this stuff was in, in, inspired kind of by tiki bars and tiki culture like that. Um, Which so, is, I will say, problematic. Yeah. Because the thing is, is right now there's no such thing as like tiki. Tiki was like a religious thing. And not like, I went to the Tiki Islands or whatever. So if somebody's like buying Tiki torches and Tiki cut, it's it's not the same as like, I really like Japanese art. You know, it's, it's very much your kind of making light of and parting with like religious iconography and that kind of thing. And that's weird. Kind of like wearing a rosary for jewelry. It kind of feels like that to me. Okay. Yeah. Not that's just, like I'm I'm talking a little bit out of my behind here because I haven't studied it. I just know that it's it's not super cool to be like I'm having a tiki themed party. Not great. Sure. Um. So then all of these kind of elements contribute to what we know of as that you know that beautiful postcard of suburban fifties grilling that that we painted for you earlier um so what what started to happen with a lot of things in the culture of the united states uh people decided they wanted to do these things and according to the laws of supply and demand the manufacturers decided we are gonna make all this stuff for you so things like new outdoor gadgets, mm-hmm. outdoor furniture, um, funny aprons, funny aprons, sure, um, anything and everything that could be brought from the inside began to appear on the outside. So the the furniture got more and more cushy, right? So it wasn't just like a a, a bench or a picnic table. Now it was like wicker furniture with uh throw pillows and uh you could even get like astroturf rugs type things and um like if you were doing grilled corn you could get little corn holders you could get full sets of outdoor dishes like all this kind of stuff really reinforced this idea of of the the beautiful picturesque kind of vacation in your backyard I like that. That's the thing. I think maybe that's too, like, why it really caught on is that idea of, like, oh, I just need to escape the humdrum life to the backyard, you know? Like, because <laughs> that's the thing. If you think about it, right, I think that it, in everyone's heart, there will always be that part of childhood where you like going and playing outside. In whatever yeah. form that is, even, even, listen, I'm an indoor kid. I still like going out and like sitting on a swing and looking out over the yard or something like that. You know what I mean? And so I think having a purpose, having something that takes you outside because, well, if we want to eat tonight, we have to go outside. is like an excuse to go out 
to your backyard and kind of play a little bit. Sure, sure, sure. So, I mean, that's really where, like I said, that that beautiful picture we think of comes from. Um, And a lot of the stuff that we do today really stems from all of those those 50s suburbanites. Well, I have a lot of questions for you about cookout uh, etiquette. But first, let's say a thank you note to our sponsors. Shannon's is sponsored in part this week by Squarespace, one of my faves. Hey, do you have a website? What's that? I'm going to assume you said no. <laughs> well, well, get get out of your chair and then move to your computer chair <laughs> and go to squarespace.com and start your your website today. You can showcase your work, you can blog or publish content, you can announce an upcoming event or special project or like, I don't know, build a photo gallery that, to show your friends or anything, anything. Plus, it's got powerful e-commerce functionality so you can sell anything from your website. There's beautiful customizable templates created by world-class designers. Everything optimized for mobile right out of the box so you don't have to worry about how good it's gonna look on phones or tablets. And a new way to buy domains and choose from over 200 extensions and free and secure hosting. So what are you waiting for? Don't wait anymore. Go to squarespace.com slash schmanners for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code schmanners to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Squarespace.com slash schmanners offer code schmanners. We're also sponsored in part by Zola, which is a wedding planning and registry site where you can use easy-to-use tools to plan and display your beautiful wedding invites. Um, they have a hundred, over a hundred, beautiful wedding designs to choose from. So there's something for everybody's style and taste. Uh, it's really easy because they have um, the the timing tools so you can figure out what to do when and even they have a great uh, FAQ section that can help your guests figure out things like can I bring my kids can I have a plus one all of that stuff that people would text you the day of uh, which would drive you crazy um, you can figure it out ahead of time and take care of it on Zola and they also have the ability to do honeymoon fund travel gift cards you can put your whole registry on there and have a one-stop shop for everything you need for your wedding so you can go and create your free wedding uh, website on Zola go to zola.com slash schmanners couldn't be easier uh, we also have a personal Jumbotron this week. Yes, this personal Jumbotron message is for Novi, and it is from Heidi. Novi says, You need to know you're the best devised divisor that ever devised a device. I can wait for you to finally create your ultimate device, the Transpotter. Happy birthday. You are my favorite person because we are only different. I'm not 100% sure what that means. And perhaps there is a missing word there. But I'm going to choose to assume that it's kind of some kind of like secret code uh, where Heidi is telling Novi like, hey, we're the only different. You know, I like that. I do. I think it's nice. But so um, 
Happy devising. Beginning this summer, you can listen to new episodes of Inside Pop every other week for an even deeper dive inside the world of pop culture. Now, we're still bringing you our brilliant insight, always on the nose opinions, and insidery inside information on the most interesting pop culture stories of the week. And we'll also have interviews with the pop culture professionals who create the culture you crave. For example, we'll speak to casting directors about how they find the right talent for the right role. We'll talk to music supervisors about how they choose the music to create the right mood. And we'll grill producers who'll discuss what exactly a producer does. Oh man, Sean, how many times has someone said to you, oh, you're a producer, so what do you actually do? So many times. (laughs) Same here. So make sure to catch Inside Pop every other Wednesday on Maximum Fun to indulge your pop culture obsessions. And to hear in-depth interviews from the movers and the shakers in TV, music, film, and more. Hi, I'm Paula Poundstone. And I'm Adam Felber. Adam, I haven't gotten one thing done today. Well, let me see your to-do list. Ah, yeah, well, here. Make 30-second promo for Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone, so at least you're getting that done. Score! Except you haven't said what the show's about. We're like a comedy field guide to life, starring me and you. I give useful advice, and we have real experts to talk about things like how to keep a friend or what to do when you encounter a bear. Bully for you, but you haven't said where people can find the show. Oh, MaximumFun.org, or wherever you find your podcasts. Okay, we have a lot of questions. Great. But first, I want to say that during the break, I did some quick tiki research, a little bit of crowdsourcing. So, I it's... Here's what I think the issue is with Tiki. So it seems like what it is is it's taking a lot of Polynesian uh, culture and a lot of uh, Polynesian kind of uh, representation of, of items and stuff. Okay. And then kind of... Uh, Commercializing it. Yeah, but also, like, that's not real. Like, a lot of the stuff, the, like, you know, drinks on fire, that kind of thing, like, it's not real it's not based on things but they're claiming it is. so i think that the problem is is that if if they just said like here's a fun weird bar i don't know that that would be a problem so much as trying to market it as or sell your thing as like traditional authentic poly so that's one issue and another one i think is that it is appropriative of a culture but i like i said i'm not an expert on it so i'm trying to learn about it too but i will say just as a nice little like hey maybe think twice before like having a tiki party as your cookout rather than just like a party party. Okay. Let's get to the questions. This first question is from Aaron. How do you avoid bringing too much of the same thing? Especially when you know, when you don't know some of the other people bringing stuff, we had an event where I was the only one out of 11 to bring something other than fried chicken. Wow. Um, I mean, the thing is, it's really, uh, that's one of the host duties is to kind of feel out what everybody's bringing. Um, and so I hope you really like fried chicken (laughs) (laughs) because, (laughs) because that was, uh, I, I just think that that was a missed opportunity for the host to uh to orchestrate a little better and the way that you do that is when you are invited to a backyard cookout you ask the host is there anything you need what can I bring and then it's their responsibility to say oh I've got everything covered but if you could bring whatever you'd like to drink 
I'll provide ice and cups. Right? I also think things that, like that. I also think though, if you all brought fried chicken and you all wanted fried chicken, certainly, then it feels like he kind of nailed it, right? <laughs> like because that's the thing is like, sure, it could have been a cookout party, but it seems like now it's a chicken party, and it sounds like everybody's probably going to be okay with that. So I would say like good rule of thumb is if you if there isn't any kind of sign up or assigned things or your host is like bring whatever you want then bring what you want because at the very least then you know there will be something there that you want to eat and if everybody happens to bring the same thing great because that's what everybody wanted to eat you know all right um but I would also say and listen this is hard for me to say because I love fried chicken it is. One of my top five, if not top three, favorite foods. Yes, it is. I shall vouch yes. for that. There's a part of me though that feels weird bringing a fried, ch- a pre-prepared, already made something to a cookout uh, as a main dish. Is as what a main you mean? Dish. Yes, yes, yes. Because it feels like you're kind of missing a little bit of the fun. Now, maybe if you don't like burgers or you don't like, you know, uh, brats or anything, okay, cool. Bring whatever you want. But, like, for me, I I would tend to bring something to cook on, on the, the grill. And, and, you know, especially these days with so many options related to, like, veggie options or, like, non-meat options, mm-hmm. um, it feels like there's such a good selection. And plus, hey, listen, here's a side note. If you want to get, like, add a little flair to your cookout, research some, like, fish on the grill options or just something more complicated than, uh, like, you know, a, a, a like, some, maybe lamb, you know, a rack of lamb. Like, a little bit more challenging, but not so much that it can stop you from doing it, but is definitely an impressive thing to serve at your cookout. Like, it seems harder than burgers and hot dogs. But, like, with a little preparation and a little learning, you can really, like, impress your guests by offering more options. And I, I usually, okay, if you're planning a cookout, hi, it's me, <laughs> Travis McRoy from the Cookout Council. If you're planning a cookout, my advice is to say the host is what who brings the protein options, the meat options. And, and, and the other, like, main dish Right, and so you would say like, I will be, pre- I will be preparing steaks and hamburgers and hot or whatever. If you would like something other than that on the grill, feel free to bring it and encourage everyone to bring sides, rather than every because rather if, than everybody like lining up to grill their food, right? Yes, and also like if twelve people bring eight pack of hot dogs. That's 96 hot dogs. <laughs> they are not going to be consumed at the party. That's too many hot dogs right. for one night. It makes way more sense for the host to be like, okay, well, 12 people are coming, so I'm going to get 24 hot dogs and 20 hamburgers, and so that's covered, you know? Yeah. I think that that – I've gone on about this question far too long. Yes, you have. This is from Of The Hill People. How do I approach the host of a cookout at a later date after finding out they accidentally – pilfered a specific size lid to a food container I brought. Is the lid to my 20-plus-year-old crockpot gone forever? Absolutely not. Um, This is all about the way that you go about doing it. And I think that if you... So you talk to the host who probably just, like, brought things in and put them in the dishwasher. Who knows? You know? So you talk to them and you say, "Um, I brought 
the maybe you brought uh, the pasta salad and I had it in my casserole dish, but I can't find the lid. Would you please take a look at the dishes from that night and see if you have my lid? Perfect. All you have to do. So what what you don't want to do is go in and be accusatory. Mm-hmm. Right, because that's not fun among friends. We don't want to accuse our friends of doing things. But if you take the time to remind them of the occasion and maybe what it is that you brought or something that might jog their memory about the the dish like this, then you can work together to get your things back, you know? I also think that Invest in a roll of tape and Sharpie. And yeah. when you take any kind of dish anywhere, put your name on the lid and on the bottom of the dish. So that should they become separated, it's very clearly, easily identifiable as like, oh, this belongs to Travis. And they get it back to you. Especially if it's like 20 people at a party and everybody brings a dish. Yeah. And it's like it's really easy for stuff to get all swapped around. So labeling it ahead of time, um, especially if it's important to you and mm-hmm. not just like some random Tupperware or whatever, then I think it, it's worth it to take the time to label everything. You know what I like to do? When I take places, take things like side dishes places, I like to use those um, foil kind of uh, trays that you can buy. Um, and then when you're done, you can wash it off and recycle it. Um, and you don't feel bad if there's a bunch left over, like leaving it or giving it to somebody else or something. Right. Well, though, in general, I would say, speaking of, this wasn't a question, but as far as leftovers are concerned, never assume that the host just wants you to leave it there. Right. Because not everybody has a ton of, of refrigerator space and it's possible maybe they didn't like the dish or that it's like contains something they can't eat or whatever they know they won't eat. And so, like, I have fallen into that before. i like, you know what? I'll just leave this here. It's like, no, no, no. Ask. Say, like, hey, uh, would you like to keep the leftovers? Or I'm happy to take them if not. Whatever. Um, because it also might be that at the end of the night, everybody, like, divides stuff up and takes home their own, like, to-go containers. Whatever. Um, this is from Willinium Falcon. When there's a buffet of food, is it okay to skip the line if you only want just a little bit of food at the end? Um, I would say that this depends on your relationship with the people at the cookout. Um, if this is a formal affair and like in the way of like when we went to the luau, they dismissed us to the buffet by table. Um, and you know, it didn't take long before there was a quite a line. Yeah. When there is a line like that and an organization to it. You can't skip. Especially full of strangers. Like. Yes, especially full of strangers. If this is your family cookout and there's like 10 of you, go ahead. Yeah. Go skip to the end if you just want broccoli salad. Go and get it. But like you have to ha- kind of think about the situation because the people in line, if it's like a huge formal stra- line full of strangers, they don't know that's what you're doing. And they are more likely to be put out even if all you're taking is that broccoli salad at the end. It it creates kind of an animosity. There's a little bit of that, like, wait, what's going on? Who's that? Is nothing going on this line? What? what? <laughs> right. 
Right. I, I also think that in this case, like, this is another one of those circumstances where in trying to be polite, people will often, like, meander as though they accidentally cut to the front of the line and grab something. I think it's actually way more polite and way less awkward to just walk, grab the thing you want, and walk away, right? Because if it looks like you're casing the joint, like, it's going <laughs> to make people, like, you know, when you see someone getting ready to cut in line and you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. I see what you're doing. But if you just like walk, grab, and get out, most people probably wouldn't even notice that you were there. Right. Uh, just going to dip this chip real quick. Yeah, right? And Especially leave. if there's dessert <laughs> at the end of the line and you've already eaten or whatever yeah. and you just want to grab a cookie. It's fine. It's fine. But don't stand in chat. Don't slow down. None of that stuff. Uh, this is from D. What is the appropriate length of time to stand by the grill while waiting for food? Should socializing with the person grilling be mandatory when standing near the grill? Hmm. I don't now, know about mandatory. Mandatory but- is an interesting idea because, no, it's not mandatory. If the food is moments from being ready, I think that it is, it's nice to say a hello and how are you to the, the person at the grill. I mean, I, I, I like being the head of grill. Head of grill, head of grilling, one in charge of grilling. Sure. The grill chef. And as grill chef, I will say I like it when people come over and talk. But I also will say I am a, uh, which is very ironic because of, I don't know, in general, my lack of focus on everything else in the world. <laughs> but I get very focused when I'm grilling because I don't want anything to burn. I don't want, I, I like everything medium rare. Um, but I think talking the appropriate amount of time, if you're worried about standing there too long, if you're just like waiting with a plate out, not saying anything, I think that you can stand there too long. But talking to somebody and conversing with them, I don't think that there's a too long. On the other side of it, I think that if you just walk up, grab a burger and walk away without saying anything, especially if it's someone you know. Yeah. That's, I think, a little bit short, a little terse. Um, but if there's a line of people waiting to get food, walk up. Hey, thanks. Oh, this looks great. Thanks for having me. Oh, thanks for taking care of this. And then Perfect. move on. Um, let's see. This is from Ben. I've heard that you should show up one to two hours later than the posted starting time, since that is when your hosts are actually planning, are going, going to be prepared for people to show up. Crazy or relatable? Ben, I don't know who told you that, but this This, is... This may be a regional habit, um, because, because there are some areas, especially in the southern United States... Where the the cookout is an all day affair. Mm-hmm. That is not the case with the cookouts that I have attended, mostly in Ohio, where when the host says, "Get here at five, dinner at six, or right. whatever," right? the The time before that is to socialize, is to get together and maybe have a drink or play a game. Or something like that. Um, but I I can understand where it might be something where if you want to get to just the food, you might arrive later. See, but, but again, I don't think that that's... I, that's where that irks me. right? Yeah. Because the thing about a cookout, the reason you throw a cookout is like the hanging out before you eat. You know, so if you're like, well, I don't want to wait while the food gets prepared. And it's like, well, but that's what a cookout is. 
Mm-hmm. The point of the cookout is like we all hang out while we grill and stand outside. And now I don't think that you should wait until the starting time of the party to start the fire in the grill, because I think that you need to plan ahead and make sure that when you want to start cooking, the fire is already it ready. Takes, yeah, it takes a while. Um, so I think it is fair to say on your invitation, like. Party starts at five and food should be ready by six thirty or whatever. But I I think that okay, listen. In general, it is a pet peeve of mine when people intentionally show up two hours late to something. Not because they had, you know, conflict or difficulties getting there or whatever. That's fine. But the idea of like, well, but it's not going to really start being fun for two hours. That is because everyone's doing that, Ben. Mm -hmm. It would be fun right away if everyone showed up when it started. Yeah. Um, So I I think that if your hosts say that the party starts at six, I don't think you should infer that what your hosts really mean is eight. Right. The host said six. So that's when I would go. Um, This is from Paula. How many dishes is too many to bring when you are a guest? I love to cook, but I think I tend to overbring. Paula? I know somebody you, who yeah, does this. You and I, I one time going to a friend's Thanksgiving that I was not hosting, let me be clear, brought 11 dishes. I couldn't believe it. Um, now, like two of them were different loaves of bread and three of them were desserts, but I did make six side dishes. I realize now, saying it out loud, it was too much. Um, I will say my point of view from it is that if you if you talk to the host ahead of time and like they're cool with it, go for it. But what you don't want to do is upstage the host. That is I agree. That's where I think the the biggest concern is. Um because I think of it, it's very easy to see it, Paula, you and I, as like I'm being helpful. I'm making and, stuff. And generous. Right. Generous of spirit. That's you, Travis McElroy. Indeed I am. And it is that. But like I can also see where, like, if I was throwing the party and I had, like, spent all day marinating a thing and, you know, cleaning the house and getting ready, and then somebody showed up and, be, and like, wowed everyone with their 10 dishes, or I'd be like, okay, well, I guess we should have just had the party at your house. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. So, but I would check with the host first and ask what they need um, and, and say, like, do you need someone to bring dessert? I can handle dessert. At which point then, if you're doing dessert, you can bring multiple dishes, right? And you're giving them options. Or like, I can handle salad, and I brought three different kinds of salad to choose from, right? Then you're not upstaging anyone else who brought salad, because you covered salad. You covered dessert, right? I think choosing sure. something like that. And but- I th- I also think that if um, if you want to make a side that has like... This one is gluten-free. This one is dairy-free. This one is paleo, like that kind of thing. All of those sides are very similar, but they had different ingredients. Yes. I think that's okay to do, too. Um, but, yeah, I think stick with one genre of thing, one category of thing, rather than, like, I made a dessert and a salad and a side. And here's some, you know, because then it's like you're throwing your own party. Yeah. Um, one last question here. This is from Steven. Okay. I only say this with a little shame. How much is too much to eat? Okay. Um, so we've talked about this at potlucks a little bit where it's important that you take just a a touch, just like a scoop. 
of the things that are available and you're welcome to take as many of the things as you'd like. Mm -hmm. But we also want to make sure that everyone gets a little taste of everything as well. Um, So I would say that once everyone has had their first and seconds, um, don't hurt yourself with food. Like I used to. Not now. I'm an adult. I'm a father. I don't hurt myself with food anymore. But maybe you are staying at the party. Maybe it's like an all-night affair. Yeah. So you you should feel welcome to eat what it is you need to eat. Um, and, you know... Sometimes at a party, I eat just a little bit more than yeah. I probably need to eat. But don't don't hurt yourself. And as long as you allow everyone else to also partake, I, I don't see why not, why you couldn't eat your fill. Here's my secret that I've learned over these 34 years, Stephen. But, and I will also say just in general, as far as buffets, potlucks, or uh, cookouts go, don't be afraid to be the first person in line. I You know, a lot of people will hesitate, but I think it's fine. To be a leader. Somebody um, has to be first. Somebody's got to be first. Um, Steven, here's my advice. I wouldn't think in terms of too much so much as I would think of too fast. Because that's what used to be my problem is I would eat okay. so fast that I wouldn't realize I was full until I was over full. You know what I mean? And so I would rather enjoy the food and company and not just sit quietly by myself while I throw food down my throat. But instead, like slowly eat as much as you want yeah pace um, yourself yeah i think that that is it's it's not about how much you eat but i think how fast is my advice all right don't slam six burgers it's not man versus food it's gonna be okay <laughs> um unless you want six burgers you know it's a party um but don't well, hurt yourself don't friends. hurt yourself the, uh and also just because i like to throw this in whenever possible there's also usually a lot of drinking or some drinking at cookouts don't drink and drive. Be responsible, especially these days with rideshare and uh, friends of the party and taxi cabs or whatever. It is easier than ever to make sure you are safe. Yes. Don't drink and drive, especially in the summer. Everybody uh, be careful. All right. So that's going to do it for us. Uh, there's not going to be an episode next week because I will be traveling for the Adventure Zone graphic novel book tour. So check out McElroyShows.com for all those dates and places. Yes. You can also go to TheAdventureZoneComic.com to purchase the graphic novel. Um, and then I'm going to be at San Diego Comic-Con, and I'm going to tweet out uh, my schedule there so you can come see me at all my various events. Um, let's see. And we're working on a bunch of other appearances and maybe some more, I don't know, convention things. We'll see. I'll tweet all about it. And we'll talk about it on the show. Go check out all the other amazing shows on MaximumFun.org. Uh, Sawbones, Still Buffering, uh, Bubble, Friendly Fire. There's a ton on there. Minority Corner. I just saw... Somebody thanked us for our LGBTQIA plus dating episode because it gave him the courage to ask out a cute neighbor. And it was very nice. Nice. Made me very happy. Um, Let's see. What else? What do we normally say here? We always thank Brent, Bruntofloss Black, for writing our theme music. And that is available as a ringtone where those are uh, found. You can also go on Twitter and thank our uh, the Kayla M. Wassel, who did our band our thumbnail art and then keely weiss photography did our banner for the fan run facebook group group schmanners 
fanners. Go and join that and get your fan schmanners fix. Oh, no. <laughs> There's a lot of syllables in there. Get your schmanners fix from other schmanners fanners. There it is. Whew, you did it. Okay. That's going to do it for us. Join us again in two weeks. No RSVP required. You've been listening to Schmanners. Manners, Schmanners. Get up. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.